0: Hey everyone, welcome to Business Access by TD Image. My name is Diego de D'Souza. And today we're talking to Francesco Rulli. He is the CEO of Cuerlo, and we're gonna talk about artificial intelligence. Francesco, how are you? I'm fine,
1: how are you?
0: I am doing well. I am truly excited to talk to you because you actually gave me the opportunity to, uh, the other day to talk to Michelangelo, the artist. And it was amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about your passion behind artificial intelligence?
1: All right. So um, if you happen to visit Wikipedia, you will see that there is a, a, a page dedicated to my work. And uh, one of the things that this uh, Wikipedia uh, page talks about is uh, how back in, the, in 2011, 2012, 13, I built, uh, I financed uh, uh, the support, I supported financially the construction of 13 schools in Afghanistan. And that was a social responsibility project um, a- about uh, providing uh, digital literacy in Afghanistan to young women and to also make sure that would we'll be financially self-efficient so that we wouldn't have more Malalas but we will have more rewarded uh, uh, reporters from the ground. And we were able to touch lives of over 30,000 young women. But back in 2014, 15, the local authorities started getting a little nervous about what we're doing. So they removed the control of those classrooms to us. And it was 2015 that uh, my uh, CTO informed me that... uh, we could have used uh, um, IBM Watson to create uh, chatbots. And uh, that's when we started building chatbots for the purpose of education. So that instead of having a a large uh, uh, human and financial liability with the classrooms and uh, teachers and uh, a curriculum to manage on the ground in the West of Afghanistan, in those 13 schools, we could simply use artificial intelligence chatbots. So we even contacted local institutions like financial institutions in, in the United States that provided us, for example, uh, digital uh, financial literacy curriculums that we transform into chatbots and we distributed uh, throughout uh, uh, the region with a very minimal cost and a lot of uh, control over the relationship with the students. Uh, th- so that's when we launched our initiative purely for a social responsibility, uh, reason. Then a, a couple of months later, we decided to also venture into the for-profit and we made a business out of it. And as of today, we have built over, uh, 10,000 different, uh, artificial intelligence solutions. And between those, there is also the chatbot of the, uh, artificial intelligence on Michelangelo. So that's how we, uh, our journey.
0: That is incredible. And like you said, 2015, that, that was Querlo, right?
1: Yeah, it's Querlo. Um, In the beginning, we started as uh, um, our company. Uh, The time uh, uh, before was named Querlo, uh, was named Bitlanders. And um, and then as soon after that, we we founded Querlo as basically a customized uh, artificial intelligence solutions company. Uh, We are completely technology agnostic. So we position ourselves between uh, the cognitive partners like IBM Watson, Microsoft, Louis, Rasa, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, uh, the platform partners on the other side, like SAP, Oracle, uh, the web itself, uh, any other communication platform you can come up with. Uh, And obviously, we help our clients to learn more about how to manage and deal with artificial intelligence and cognitive services.
0: And this conversational artificial intelligence, it's something that you you guys really actually took it to the next level. It's not just a H. It's not simply just a type and a, you get a response. You actually get an interaction with it. Like I said before, I had the, uh, uh, thank you again for sending me the uh, the link to the Michelangelo exhibit in Florence, and I went in there and I, I just literally went down this uh, wormhole of questions, and, and I really felt like I was speaking to the artist, and this is incredible because... As of today, due to the issue, the, the COVID-19 issue that we have today, a lot of the school systems are different. They, they have to uh, conduct themselves differently. And seeing your technology and experiencing it, I, it just took me to a whole new level how educational systems could use this technology.
1: Yeah. Uh, let me explain a little bit what's the uh, background of this initiative. First of all, I was born in Florence. And I, I was born in 1968, at the age of 21 years old, I came to the United States. And um, I have been here, if you make the math, from 1990 to now, 30 years. So I have a little bit of that uh, uh, feeling I want to give back to my country. I, 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 I was very lucky to be born in such an environment. Uh, my grandmother um, had a very little education, and in 1977, she lost her husband, and uh, she started going to a lot of different uh, cultural events in Florence uh, with organizations uh, um, specific, uh, specifically focused on the Renaissance. So I grew up in that environment. Uh, at that time, was compulsory to do the military, and uh, uh, my military ended up being a, a tourist guide, actually, for generals, even Prince Charles of England in Florence, uh, uh, because I had a very strong familiarity with a certain monument. Mm-hmm. So I always had this passion in in really deep in my heart about Florence the Renaissance and also uh everything related to how we got to the Renaissance. Um, a lot of people don't know this but uh, uh the Renaissance started after the Black Plague uh, after uh, uh the financial disaster of uh, uh the thir- thir- 1348 and um uh, there was kind of like a similar circumstance of what happens in 2007 and 2020 from a financial uh, breakdown of the system, and then uh, uh, the pandemic that we're living through now, the same exact thing happened back then. And the way that Florence reacted was actually build a very compelling um, new technologies, the, labo- the double-ledger accounting system of the Medici family, that eventually sponsored a rebirth and the renaissance. And the renaissance was basically um, almost like a marketing strategy for uh, the banking system of Florence. So, I, I thought that it would have been fantastic to contact those institutions, particularly the Opera of Santa Maria del Fiore, who is uh, the museum who handles all the art pieces of the cathedral, the baptisterium, the Tower of uh, the Bell Tower of Giotto uh, in Florence, and also the museum, and uh, uh, strike a partnership with them about launching uh, different initiatives powered by artificial intelligence uh, with uh, Monsignor Verdon. Timothy Verdon, who is actually an American, born, uh, raised in, uh, in uh, New Jersey, but then moved uh, for the last 50 years to Florence. So he had uh, the opposite journey of mine. Um, uh, we started building this artificial intelligence. Um, a fantastic uh, contribution by Lorenzo Lucchetti, who is the general director of the organization. I took, uh, I made it so that a 700 years old organization today is empowered by artificial intelligence and can communicate with people through uh, the voice or, let's say, the thoughts of uh, Michelangelo. Um, one thing is very specific, very important about what we did. We did not base our knowledge base on the knowledge of the experts alone. We based it on the questions that people ask the artificial intelligence. So every question that you asked that was answered was a great contribution, but even more was the answers, sorry, the questions that didn't have an answer, that in real time will be delivered to our experts in Florence, in which they will debate on what the right answer should be and how it should be distributed within our knowledge base or how our knowledge base should be integrated and expanded. So we collected over 5,000 questions. We built uh, an artificial intelligence with over 250 intents, and uh, it's growing every day. And now we are seeking for partnerships and sponsorships to make it even more um, impactful because we need to reach more people, but also we need uh, to identify partners uh, to give this a direction from not just an educational perspective, but also of how this can contribute to a better life for people, specifically now in uh, during the COVID and the post-COVID era, when there is so much stress and there is uh, so much frustration, and mental health has definitely become one of the biggest problems we have to solve.
0: Correct, correct. And here's the important part of your technology. Even through COVID or, or without COVID, I think within, you know, going back to the educational system, when, when I learned about this, I didn't have the opportunity to get an experience like this. And it's something, it, it attaches something personal and attaches a connection. And I think it also attaches more of a, a, a feeling that I want to know more to the student, Instead of just, it's like we say, you you can't experience another country until you go there, and, and going and going through this experience and learning literally from Michelangelo is that, is that feeling that you're actually there with him and you're learning from the actual source. And like you said, the great thing about it is that it, it's the artificial intelligence; it it grows as it learns, as it gets more questions. So th- this is something that, like school systems, I feel like really need to give you one, give you guys a call, say, hey, we need to build more of these uh, and help and implement them, not only in school systems, also in, mu- in, in museums in, in Florence, because a lot of museums, even before COVID-19, had, had difficult issues here in the United States uh, with, with finding revenue resources. And with this, is something totally different for them. And this is an experience not only that if you, you don't have the opportunity to go to the museum, you can go online and have this digital experience of actually talking to the artist.
1: Yeah. And then also there is another factor in which is very important. This is a private conversation between a human and right. a machine. Right. And any question can be made Uh, We respectfully ask people to be respectful about, the, the, uh, let's say, the means of communication and not to be offensive. Um, But we also give that level of privacy you don't get sometimes when you're on social media or when you are in front of someone who is probably a very knowledgeable teacher but has his or her lifestyle. So one of the questions, first of all, let me explain uh, the top 10 questions uh, to Michelangelo uh, six of them are personal, okay? it's about what he likes to eat, uh, what, uh, what he did with his money, what he likes to wear in clothes. But the most interesting for me and also uh, captivating is uh, the question, what's your sexual orientation? And the way that our experts uh, design the answer is very interesting. Uh, I, I'll read the, the answer so that you grasp also how modern Michelangelo was from that perspective. He answers In my time, people did not declare their sexual orientation, but in poems that I dedicated to a young Roman nobleman, Tommaso de Cavalieri, I spoke of my love for him. This made some uncomfortable. However, and a 1623 edition of the poetry changed the masculine pronouns in the sonnets for Tommaso to the feminine gender. And then he continues saying, I never married, I had no children. As a mature man, I had a close relationship with a Roman noble woman and intellectual Vittoria Colonna. And then he follows up and say, can you ask him back, can you see my spirituality and the ideal of beauty that I express in my works? So the artistry of the question. So basically the question was asked many times that our experts came up with a compelling answer, but also provided us A very updated perspective about gender and how, for example, the pronouns, the masculine pronouns in the sonnet were changed to feminine gender. And also his equal relationship and friendship with a woman, a noble woman from Rome. But also he brings back the conversation to the admiration of spirituality and beauty that is expressed the expression of this artist. All this was done because of artificial intelligence, because I don't think there is out there that many writers or experts that will have dedicated a, a chapter to this conversation, uh, also afraid to the criticism behind uh, the, the, uh, how delicate this conversation is, right. especially because of the role of Michelangelo with the Catholic Church. You're Brazilian, I'm Italian, and we know sometimes there is a little bit of an uncomfortable position. Right. But today, with this big change, specifically in companies in, about uh, uh, gender, about uh, diversity, uh, sexual orientation, I think that uh, our artificial intelligence helped everybody to realize that Michelangelo was really a, a precursor of this, uh, uh He was really ahead of his time.
0: That's really, that's, I, I honestly wish uh, humans actually answered that question that way. Because uh, that's such a proper way to answer it. Uh, and and it's, it, it is a very comfortable answer and a very revealing answer also. I really, really like that. Let me ask you this. So... What are what are the goals for Querlo in developing um, either developing more of these uh, uh, technologies with museums?
1: So AI A stands for artificial, but also automation. I stands for uh, intelligence, but also intellectual property. Mm-hmm. One of the problems I think with the museums. Uh, is uh, They are kind of stuck to the intellectual property of the past. I am a Florentine. I'm proud of my background, but I have to admit it. Since the Renaissance, uh, Italy has struggled to build a new artificial, uh, sorry, new intellectual property. Okay, indeed, new countries, younger countries, they usually zoom through this process because they obviously, obviously have more need to create a new uh, intellectual property. Right. The UNESCO protected sites in the world, the number one country is Italy. Second is China, but if you compare the number of people that live in China and the size of China, you see the proportion is incredible, okay? Right. And Spain is third, and Spain is even smaller than Italy, and I think it has about 48 sites. So countries like Italy, Spain, sometimes they struggle into this new world of innovation. Uh, because there is so much to take care of. There is so many Michelangelos and their work to take care of right. that uh, all the f- energy goes there. So artificial intelligence will help eventually to make a little bit more rational in within these uh, uh, very valuable um, uh, intellectual property that are arts, culture, but also it will give uh, the opportunity to expand and build on top of it, just like we described the conversation with Michelangelo. Right. On the other side, I'm also trying... Uh, to bring people back to the past and not to panic about the future. Because unfortunately, we know too much. Fake news is imposing on us uh, this uncertainty. We don't even know if we see, what we see on television is really happening. We, we don't even know if what we hear on the radio is really happening. You know What we know is that nobody knows exactly what the answer is. And those are probably problems that arise back 600 years ago, 200 years ago, 100 years ago. And uh, we, we can read through the lines on books, but who's taking now the time to go uh, and talk, uh, sorry, read a book maybe of 600 pages about the life of Michelangelo. And maybe you don't want to read the 600 pages book. You just want to see that clue. What did he do or what wh- would have he done, right? Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, Brunelleschi, uh, Ghiberti, and so on. All those artists that lived us through much more difficult times. How did they handle those problems? You know, uh, how did uh, Giotto behave uh, you know, during those times? So they had their own pandemics. They all had their own wars. So they had their own uncertainty. And believe me, traveling from Florence to Paris was not that easy and safe. So those guys were able to do it. And we can learn something from them. But we have to have a means that is uh, a little bit more evolved. than just Google their name and the solution. And let's look at what Wikipedia is. I love Wikipedia, but let's be frank with each other. Wikipedia is a one-way conversation between the editors and the readers. Can you ask a question on Wikipedia? No, you can't. So if I'm going to the Wikipedia page of Michelangelo, unless an editor had the inspiration to put some clues about his life, I can't find the information. While we can, with this technology, with interactive conversation artificial intelligence, ask questions deliver the question that has not been answered to the experts and then have them debate and discuss what is the appropriate answer and bring more experts to the play to the table along with more questions so our goal is uh, to empower institutions like museums to be more interactive and understanding but also to invite uh, technology companies and for-profit companies to participate to this conversation because they have to remember the renaissance was funded by banks and merchants that wanted to make more money, so there is a way to build a relationship between arts, culture, and also uh, you know commerce and trade. But it has to be a fair relationship, mm-hmm. and I think artificial intelligence can play both roles, providing a safe zone for both companies and organizations to play the right role, get their benefits, and build a better environment for everybody to be educated.
0: I think that's so true, and. In, in, in- as you talk about the historical aspect of it and trying to bring that into modern times uh, with artificial intelligence, um, one of the things that I did feel when I was talking to Michelangelo was the fact that I, it, it was genuine. It was truly genuine. I felt like I was really learning from the artist. And that's, so it wasn't like you, it, you were, I in a, in, a, in a way, I knew I was pressing buttons on a keyboard, but I, I felt like I was having on a, an authentic conversation with historic would if a historical figure so so i think that's um when, when, when Spain and, and all those countries see this and see what what you have here, I think they'll understand that true. Like I said before, I think a lot of museums, one of the issues that they have today is, is creating a, a new form of resource to uh, stay open, to stay strong, and be able to uh, successfully function. And this is something that I think, I, I not only think, but I feel that... It will bring that for them. It will bring that stability back to them to uh, hold that authenticity of the historic value of the artists of the the past into the future and create that combination.
1: Yeah, indeed. And it's very fulfilling also for a young student or a junior uh, business person to engage and to know that they bring value with their questions. Right. One thing that we have to understand, intelligence is not based on what you know, but is based on your capacity to listen to what you don't know and research the right answer. Right. A lot of people invite fancy um, scholars of uh, topics to talk in a monologue, when actually the best, is let's put it in this way, is a person who actually can listen to a Q&A and admit and find that question that... Uh, he or she doesn't have an answer for and then research on top of it. So curiosity is the engine of, uh, of, um, of uh, intelligence. The only problem is as humans, we can't be in uh, 1,000 places at one time. So with this technology, you can allow a million people ask questions, categorize the questions, uh, give a rationale to what questions you want to answer uh, first or later and then uh, prioritize uh, your teams uh, on different tasks. So uh, artificial intelligence provides that little scalability in increasing uh, uh, the relationship between uh, intelligence and uh, just the fact-finding. And, you know, that's an important thing. We we, we all have to be submitted to that uh, exam once in life, a question you don't have an answer for. And instead of being scared of that type of failure, We should be actually proud of it as long as we are committed to find the answers. And uh, not always the answers are available. Sometimes you have to hire someone who knows more about this. So that's why also we are spreading our relationship with other museums. I've been interviewing uh, experts and also directors of other museums like uh, Mikhail Petrovsky, who is the director of the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. I am uh, waiting to talk to uh, someone actually from the academia of Florence so that other experts can, you know, aggregate. And then there is one more thing we're doing, I think it's fascinating. We decided uh, to draft uh, the possibility to, the, to give birth of a fictional character, the great-grandniece of Michelangelo, who will actually allow us in a certain fictional way to, to drive our attention to other artists and institutions that are probably also lived later on than Michelangelo. So then, uh, that we don't, we use Michelangelo as a starting point, but we know the world of arts and culture is very, very broad, and uh, w- you know this is like a, a little bit of Virgil uh, that will walk us through, you know, uh, that will lead us through different experiences in collaboration with other museums. Um, then I would like also to talk briefly about spirituality. Okay, mm-hmm. um, Italy is uh, is a, a is a destination for a lot of people, not just Christians and Catholics, but many people of different faiths and beliefs uh, for the arts, the culture, but also for a spirituality aspect of a country that has always been in the center of this, um, uh, this sentiment. And, uh, and uh, we believe that also this will allow people to get a little bit closer to the interpretation of spirituality through the eyes of those artists but also to build their own interpretation. And that's why also Michelangelo asked back, can you see the sense of spirituality and beauty that uh, this brings to my my work? So, you know, it's very important for us in these difficult times to align arts, culture, and spirituality empowered by the best that artificial intelligence uh, cognitive solutions have to offer today
0: get that really authentic feel of uh, an experience. That's, that's, uh, that's amazing. Because I think all, even spirituality, it takes a huge, especially in that era, took a huge part of uh, the arts and took a huge part uh, in that culture. Let me ask you this personal question. If there was a person in history that you would love to have that experience that, I, that I've had with Michelangelo, who would it be?
1: Uh, you know, I'm from Florence, so I would probably pick Brunelleschi, who is wow. uh, the architect uh, um, who designed uh, the Duomo of uh, Florence. Um, uh, it, it, when we talk about Italy, um, uh, on an international level, there is a lot of different people that uh, always intrigued me, but uh, probably uh, the second person in Florence that really I would like to talk to his name is Giovanni Bici de' Medici, who is uh, the, the founder of the Medici family, uh, the least famous of the, of the Medici family uh, patriarchs, but the one who started the, the whole thing and also the one who invented the double ledger system, was the accounting system that basically empowered the Medici family to become such a powerful banking bank and also to be able to finance so much about uh, the Renaissance. Was he a nice person? No, he was not. So I also believe it would be fantastic to put a work, artificial intelligence, to to allow people to communicate with some of the bad guys. Now, he wasn't so much of a bad guy, but artificial intelligence gives you the opportunity, if you use it well, to get, let's say, get deeper, a little bit more into the character of someone and to get experts to debate. So. Brunelleschi and Giovanni Bici de Medici will be the two people that I would be intrigued to have that type of conversation with.
0: Wow, that really speaks on building, and that's very true. I mean, it goes back to you talking about the spirituality of the person uh, that uh, you that you're investing the artificial intelligence in. Let me ask you this: um, What are Querlo's next goal? Where, where are you guys looking to advance to?
1: Oh, we're focused on uh, uh, partnerships. Um, We do have uh, an entire department dedicated to digital assistants, so executive digital assistants to report back to the uh, C-suite, HR digital assistant to report specifically uh, to the HR uh, department. So from that perspective, from a business perspective, we are uh, very um, active and uh, focused on uh, um, uh, business partnerships with partners that don't have that cognitive piece in, within their offering. Uh, one of the questions I do to a lot of companies out there is like, who is your cognitive officer? And 99% of companies don't have one. They direct me to the chief innovation officer, digital officer, uh, uh, chief technology officer, But our job now is to identify companies that don't have a cognitive team and help them to build it. We provide them the technology. It's a chatbot builder. Uh, This can be built, uh, 10-year-old kids can build chatbots with our technology, all the way to solutions that could actually align themselves to the sophistication. They do align themselves with the sophistication of enterprise solutions like uh, uh, SAP, Oracle, But make everybody's life much easier. So you know we're in the phase uh, uh, to augment cognitive officers, and we're looking for partners that need that help. Sometimes as a client, sometimes as a partner, because we also believe there is a plenty of IT companies out there that they do the labor of implementing solutions, but they don't build their own intellectual property. With our technology, we provide them something that can at least elevate them to design a conversation, design a workflow, uh, implementing within a specific custom solutions and provide a mild version of an intellectual property empowered by artificial intelligence. And then from there, they can make it more and more sophisticated through our guidance. Wow. Uh, so that's where we are today.
0: Wow. And Francesco, if, some, if people wanted to know, um, where, can, where can they find out more about you? Where do they go?
1: All right, so our website is a, a, a place to start, Querlo.com. Q-U-E-R-L-O.com. Let me also explain what Querlo means. Uh, Q-U-E-R is uh, the first part of cuero. Uh, it means to ask, let's say, query in English. It's a Latin word. And merlo, the end of the word, E-R-L-O, but let's put the M in front, is uh, the black Indian bird, that in Italy we say can talk like a parrot. So for us, it was like a bird that can ask good questions. And we have a say in Italy the little bird comes in the morning and they will ask you some interesting questions that will drive your, uh, your day, that will inspire you for the day. So, querlo.com is where you can find, you can build your own little bird that will wake you up in the morning, uh, and drive your day in the right direction, okay? As long as you know how to manage artificial intelligence, we give you those tools. The other one is to contact me on LinkedIn, uh, or simply email me, fr.cuerlo.com. It's my initial, F as in Frank, R as in Roger, at cuerlo.com. That That's about it.
0: Francesco, I want to thank you so much for your time, and I want to thank you so much for what you, have, what you and your company has done Developed, it is incredible. What I experienced was something I never experienced before. I truly wished that I had that in school, because if I had that in, in when I was being educated, it, it would have been taking me to a whole different level in 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 many ways. Uh, because experiencing something from the basically from the word of mouth is it, it, is a truly a different experience. Thank you
1: very much. I really appreciate your words and appreciation.
0: Thank you for your time. You have a great one.